Good evening. Good to see each one of you in the Lord's house tonight. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 159. Page 159. We'll sing both verses. Lamb of glory. <coughs> page 159. Sing out with me together on that first verse. Hear the story from God's Word. Hear the story from God's Word that kings and priests and prophets heard there would be a sacrifice and blood would flow to pay sin's price precious lamb of glory loves most wondrous story heart of God's redemption of man worship the Lamb of glory on the cross God loved the world while all the of hell were hurled. No one there could understand. The one they saw was Christ the Lamb, precious Lamb of glory. Love's most wondrous the Lamb of glory. Amen. What a beautiful song. Amen. What a blessing. Well, good to see you here tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God's blessing on our services uh, tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Gary Clark if you would pray for us tonight, brother. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Again, just wanted to mention a few uh, announcements and, and things. Uh, of course, uh, this uh, next week, don't forget about, we have the Faith Baptist School Christmas program, and that'll be Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Of course, if you do have kids involved in the play, there's a mandatory practice tomorrow night at 6 p.m., so don't forget about that, parents. And then, of course, uh, looking forward to a great night, Tuesday uh, night. And then, of course, Wednesday as well. If you have kids in Faith Baptist School, uh, they will be dismissing at noon, and Christmas break begins, goes all the way through uh, New Year's Day, and they'll be going back to school June or January the 2nd, not June the 2nd. Amen. So, man, that was a close one right there. Amen. All the kids were like, ah! 
And parents are like, whoa. So uh, uh, also I uh, wanted to mention this, uh, Wednesday night be our annual business meeting. So church family, you need to be here for that. Uh, that'll be in our 7 o'clock service. There'll be no buses uh, that night. Uh, and there'll be a combined kids class uh, downstairs. We certainly want to have all of our folks up here that are able uh, to be here for that. Uh, then also wanted to mention this, uh, De- December the 16th, which is on a Saturday, is our churchwide outreach, and that'll be at 1030 in the morning. And something that we've done the last several years is go out and uh, do some caroling. And so we're going to be doing uh, that. And so I want to invite you to be a part of that. And then, then next Sunday uh, morning, uh, during the morning service will be our junior church uh, Christmas program, and then our youth director, Brother Tim Quinlan, scheduled to preach uh, Sunday uh, night, and uh, and so pray uh, for uh, that. And looking forward to a good day in the Lord. And then, uh, lastly, I wanted to uh, mention a couple of other things uh, as well. Of course, it's out on the sign out there, but if you're not aware, December the 24th, which is uh, Christmas Eve, is on a Sunday. Uh, this year, there's not going to be any services except for uh, the 11 a.m. morning service, and then we're going to do a 5 p.m. evening service. We're going to do it earlier uh, in the evening that we normally uh, do. I realize, you know, a lot of families do a lot of different things and stuff like that on Christmas Eve, and uh, so we want to allow for that, but at the same time, we want to honor the Lord too, amen, and so uh, be here for that. So that means there's not going to be any men's prayer uh, no Sunday school. We're not going to be running buses uh, as well. Uh, and so we're going to have a morning service and then an evening service at 5 p.m. Morning service at 11 a.m., evening service at 5 p.m. And then, of course, uh, the next Sunday, December the 31st, which is New Year's Eve, uh, we'll have a linger longer following uh, the evening service uh, that night. Now, that's New Year's Eve, and so it, you may want to, I don't know how long you want to stay here. All I know is I'm leaving at 9 o'clock or 9.30, amen, because I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock. I don't care if it's New Year's Eve or not, all right? But if you want to stay up past midnight, you better make sure there's somebody here that leaves the doors unlocked for you, all right? Uh, And if not, then you need to go home and go to McDonald's or something. I don't know, all right? So anyways, those are the announcements, and uh, looking forward to finishing out our year strong. Let's turn to page 122, and let's stand together again. Page 122, O Holy Night. We're going to sing all three verses together tonight. Page 122. Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn fall on your knees
by the light of faith serenely beaming with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand so led by light of a star sweetly gleaming here came the wise men from the orient land the king of kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials born to be our friend he knows our need he guards us from all serve a great and a powerful God tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord for all he's done for us. Ask for the Gentry Gutierrez. Would you pray for the offerings tonight, please? Amen. You may be seated tonight.
so thankful for our teenagers and they're wanting to use their talents for the Lord. Amen. What a blessing. Thank you so much, Sage. Let's all stand one last time. Turn to page 147. Page 147. We're going to sing both verses for our last song tonight. The birthday of a king in the little village of Bethlehem. In the little village of Bethlehem, there lay a child one day. And the sky was bright with a holy light o'er the place where Jesus lay. Hallelujah, oh how the angels sing, hallelujah. king twas a humble birthplace but oh how much god gave to us that day from the manger bed what a path was led what a perfect holy way hallelujah oh how the angels sang Hallelujah, how it rang, and the sky was bright with a holy light. T'was the birthday of a king. Not just the birthday of a king, but the king. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated tonight. Just before the message tonight, we'll have a special from Ms. Phyllis Watson and Ms. Carrie Quinlan.
Well, it's good to have Brother Hogan here tonight. So, Brother, you come ahead and preach the Word, Brother. So. Well, what a blessing it has been to be here today. Thank you so very much. We've gained about 15 pounds, I think, just being here. But uh, I, I tell you, this, like I said this morning, this is one of our favorite churches to come to, the you're fun to preach to, you, you are, which tells me that you need a little bit more hard preaching. And it's, but but uh, no, seriously, this is one of our favorite churches to come to. You, you make us feel at home, you, you do, and, and uh, you spend time fellowshipping with each other, and you love your pastor and, and pastor's family, <clears throat> and it's just a blessing to, to be here. So preacher, thank you again for this uh, op- opportunity, and and, you know, allow me to sing. I don't know what Frank was, you know, Brother Frank was telling you, but uh, thanks for that opportunity as, as well. And uh, I tell you, your music is just a blessing. It is. We've been to hundreds of churches across this country in the last three years on deputation. And I tell you, a lot of churches don't have what you have, so don't ever take it for granted. And it's just, uh, it's just, uh, just a huge blessing. That, your choir singing this morning, mercy. That was good, just to almost make you want to shout. And I wanted to, but I thought, oh, I'm in a Baptist church, can't do that. <laughs> and your congregational singing and your piano players, my soul, you're blessed with a bunch of piano players, and, and what a blessing that is. And you sing, your congregational singing, you sing, and then this duet here tonight, mercy sakes, it's just, I'm, I'm sure tonight the angels were looking down and saying, boy, I wish we could sing that good. It was just a, just a blessing, so... Thank you for allowing us to be here. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8. Put your <clears throat> little hangy downy in there, or your bulletin, whatever it may be. So when, we get to, when I tell you to turn to John chapter 8, just know that we're almost done. No, seriously. I'm not Bill Marshall. I don't say one more thing. One more, one, one thing. We had him come and preach a meeting for us one time, and, and one of our kids had a little Woody doll. You know, the, you know, the Woody cartoon. And, and uh, so the you know, Woody doll had this little button on it, and he pulled up this finger all the time. So we presented him with that. And so he said, that's just, you know, one more thing, one, one more thing. And uh, he also told us one time, he said, now I preach, uh, you know, when I run out of water, he said, then I'm done preaching. 
And one of our men, Brother Chet, brought him up a Lord's table cup that night. And so <clears throat> I'm glad that's not it. So John chapter 8, you have that. So put your hanging down here. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now the theme really of the book of Ephesians, I think Paul just wants to encourage God's people to live according to his will, according to God's will, and to grow in faith. I think that's what his desire was for the churches that he planted, was that for God's people would grow in grace and they would live according to the way God wanted them to live. So if you're able, if you can stand with me, we're going to drop down to verse number 17. We'll read down through the end of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll start in verse number 17. Paul says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given, themso- given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all in cleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, if we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good... To the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So, Lord, I I pray for a little while our hearts and minds would be attentive to the message at hand. And, Lord, we just, we thank you. Uh, uh, Kathy and I both just thank you for the the opportunity to be home. Let's call it home. And we just thank you for uh, the reception and the the place that we've pillowed our head at night and, and the food that we've eaten and the fellowship. It's just been wonderful. So, Lord, I, I pray that, that you would, again, speak to us tonight. We, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that died on a cross for us and, and provided a way to go to heaven. <coughs> so, Lord, I, I pray that we would pay attention on purpose tonight to, to the message that you have at, at hand. And, and, and again, Lord, if there's any in this room that need to be saved, tonight would be the night to be saved. And for God's people, maybe to not understand everything that's taken place in their life from the outside. So God, help us to know that, help us to see that, and help us to put up, help us put up barriers uh, for our life to, for, that we can serve you and honor you. And we'll give you all the praise and the honor and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So there's really one verse, it's a very interesting verse, I guess, that really goes with the Sunday school lesson that we had 
this morning. If you are not here for Sunday school, if you don't come for Sunday school, if you just come for church, you're missing it. I'm telling you, that was a wonderful Sunday school lesson that we had, uh, you know, this morning. And that verse, uh, by and large, that we're going to look at tonight has a lot to do with what was said as far as the cause and effect. And so there's always a means to the end. And we're going to see this really in one verse. The cause and effect in this case is really the beginning of the end. Uh, the ends or the uh, means to the ends really marks the beginning of a spiral down from where God intends us to be. And that's found in verse 27. Look at it with me where Paul says this, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Now the word place simply means any portion or space that is marked off. So you and I as God's people, we live in an area that God has given us to be productive in. God has given us this space of real estate, if I could put it that way. It has to do with our lives and where we are and how we serve God. So when Paul says, don't give place to the devil, he says, don't let the devil in your personal space. Don't let him in there to influence you. It also means an inhabited place or yielding to. So if I was going to uh, really enhance the definitions of this word place, I would give it something like this. Uh, when we would give him a say in our life, would we would uh, give him veto power in our life, if I could put it that way. If we let him make decisions, if he directs us to make decisions, or if we give him a voice, we're talking about the devil, and Paul says, neither give place to the devil. So this is where the spiral downwards really starts when it comes to the child of God. And this really is the beginning to the end, so to speak. So notice what giving place to the devil or letting him in our life, letting him be an influence in our life, Watch what this uh, leads to, uh, verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You know, it's very easy to sin when you're angry. Uh, anybody in here uh, drive and love how other people drive? So we tow our Jeep behind our motorhome. We have a motorhome that we live in. And so uh, we had our Jeep kind of fixed up to be able to tow behind it and we, we use a blue ox towing system. We don't have a tow bar and it's just very easy to hook up. Well, I've got these two little uh, metal fixtures that go uh, inside the bumper and they really look like machine guns. And I've had some kids at churches that we visit say, hey brother, hung one of those uh, you know, metal things sticking out of your Jeep. And I just, oh, they're machine guns. So uh, why do you have machine guns? That's to get rid of slow driving people or people that make me aggravated. And Miss Kathy will tell you, yep, uh, there are times that he gets angry. It's okay to be angry. Paul says, just don't sin by doing it. You can be angry. He says, be angry and sin not. And then he says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. That really goes hand in hand with married couples, doesn't it? <clears throat> we'll just move on. Other things can happen. Look at verse, four, uh, verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. So do you mean stealing is a sin? Yes. It's easy to do when you let the devil encourage you to steal. I mean, what things can we steal from? Well, we can go through a lot of things. We can steal from God. And the devil will tell you it's okay. You've earned that. 
that is yours. Let him that stole steal no more. So it kind of sounds like Paul is dealing with a church where there's people that's robbing God or stealing from God. Uh, look at verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Vulgarity. It has no place in the Christian's life. But it will find a place when we give place to the devil. When we let the devil encourage us. Now look at verse 30. Paul says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed under the day of redemption. Now, you and I know we do not have our glorified bodies. We still have our sinful bodies, does that, but that does not give us the right to sin. And we have a choice as to whether we are or we are not. And so Paul says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And the word grieve simply means to wound the feelings of. Do you mean to tell me that God has feelings? Well, sure he does. And we have feelings as well because God created us in his image like we heard about this morning during Sunday school. And the Holy Spirit is the one who leads me. He's the one who guides me. He corrects me from time to time. He encourages me. So I don't want to offend him. I think I mentioned this maybe the last time we were here that uh, this is my third marriage. Uh, I've been married two other times prior to Miss Kathy. Both of my first wives went home to be with the Lord. And so we, I think I had given you all of this when uh, Pam had died and then I, uh, you know, God brought uh, Miss Jenny into my life. And I said, look, I'm not going to do the same things I did before because we were married. Pam and I were married when I was 18. And anybody that's in here that's 17, 16, 17, 18, just uh, pardon me for saying this, but you don't know what life is about. And, and you may think that you do. And you guys kind of looking at each other. Uh, you don't have it figured out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, I'm a Bible college student. That just means you're even more dumb. <laughs> so we got married when we were 18. We didn't know what love is. We didn't know what love was. It was not until we were married later that we realized what true love really was. And so I took her for granted. I, I, you know, I took my first wife for granted, and I didn't realize all she did until she was gone. I didn't realize what grocery shopping was until she was gone. And I tried to explain to the manager at Walmart, brother, when I was in Carthage, and I told him, I said, you've got this whole store laid out wrong. Because now, when you know, we'd go shopping, Pam would go over to groceries, I'd go to the hunting section. I said, this is what you need to change to make it better for me. Put the first two rows, hunting section, and then put the milk in the third section, not all the way back in the back. That's just stupid. It's just dumb. Don't put the milk all the way in the back. If all I want is milk, I don't want to go all the way to the back. I don't want to go where the candy is. I don't want to go all, all that other stuff. And they know what that does. They know how weak I am, and I'm going to buy that stuff. They do. So when Jay and I got married, it was, you know, I'd realized that a lot of mistakes that I'd made with Pam, and so I didn't want to do that. And so we gave each other permission to speak candidly to each other about our uh, previous marriage and, uh, you know, uh, uh, loss and different things like that. And so Jenny passed away and I married uh, uh, Kathy. And so I think that, that, that Kathy and I now have a better relationship as far as communication, uh, better than we did, I did with Pam and then also with uh, 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 Jenny. And, and so the, there are times that we, that we talk. And since we're on the road a lot, we have a lot of time to talk. And so I'll just kind of tell her we're driving down the road. Okay, we need to have a chat. She hates that, the way I start that conversation, because she knows what I'm going to say. And I'll ask her, are there things that I do that I have done in the last week or last two weeks that really mess your head up? And then she'll say, uh, uh, really, you're, you're just about perfect. You don't ever do anything wrong. 
And then I reach my arm back and pat myself on the back and I think, God is good. You know, we just move on to the next thing. But there are times that she, and I almost have to drag it out of her. I want to know what bothers her. I want to know what I do that offends her. And sometimes she'll tell me. Now, there's, I'm sure, I don't think there's ever been a time when your pastor and pastor's wife have ever talked like that because the way they were just looking at each other. And he was smiling and she was doing one of these. <laughs> so, if Miss Natalie ever told you that you were doing something, pay attention here. She would just keep talking, wouldn't she? She sure would. She sure would. It would be a very long trip. And ours are usually very long trips as well. But if she were to tell you, uh, Wes, there's just some things that you do that really bother me, and I'd really like you to quit. If you continue to do that, would you be an idiot? Absolutely. What's different about offending God? When we go to his word and we can ask specifically, Lord, what is it that I do in my life that offends you? And be ready for God to tell you. Because he's not going to be timid about it. He's going to tell you the things that offend him. And then we better listen to what God says. And this is what Paul is telling the church of Ephesus here. He says, don't offend God. Because you need God. You need the Holy Spirit of God. Now look at verse 31. He says, let all bitterness. That's extreme hatred. Heard a preacher one time say, you know what bitterness is? It's taking a poison pill and hoping the other guy dies. Pretty much. Let all bitterness and wrath, that's violent anger. And anger, that's, the, you know that word anger means to strangle people. If you just ever wanted to strangle somebody, then you've not been to Walmart. <laughs> Clamor, that's just great outcry. And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, that malice is just a disposition to injure people. And all of this happens, and it's, it's really a big disappointment to the child of God, is when we let the devil in our lives, and we may not even know that we've opened the door to him. When we let him control our lives, when we let him win battles from time to time. And you've heard this old adage, you give the devil an inch and he'll become your ruler. <clears throat> and that is very, very true. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 says this, No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So the devil knows everything about our life. He knows what God wants you to do, and he's going to try to trip you up by getting into your life. Let no man that warreth entangleth himself. That just means to be entwined, to be in bondage. <clears throat> Now, this is good right here. You know that no one is really born in bondage. You're not born in bondage. It just doesn't happen overnight. See, bondage is a choice. It's a choice that we make. And that word bondage just means slavery or involuntary servitude. It's captivity. It's imprisonment. It's restraint of one's person's liberty by compulsion. And I don't doubt for one minute that once a person is in bondage, it's, it, it is very extremely difficult to get out of that. I acknowledge that, and I've known people that's been in bondage to various things before. You remember I told you this morning, I said, you're not a product of your circumstances, you're a product of your choices, and the choices that we make. 
And like I said this morning, John Wayne said it best. Life's hard. But it's harder if you're stupid. If you just make, if you continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over. And I can't, I can't it's a, it would take me all night and even into the next day and probably next week to be able to go through all the stupid choices that I made through my life. And it's only because I let the devil in. I gave him place. That word choice is the act of choosing. It's the voluntary act of selecting or separating from two or more things, that which is preferred or the determination of the mind in preferring one thing to another, election. And so when the devil, when you give the devil your ear and you let him speak to you, he's going to tell you all kinds of things that go against God. Choices are what leads to bondage. The beginning to the end, right? Right? right. And it starts when we give the devil place in our lives. Now, you know, there's, you know, there are things that we can't choose. There are things, the the, the weather is just something that we, that we can't choose. We can choose to be in a place where it's nice all the time, but if you're stuck here in Olathe, you're pretty much, you're in bondage to the weather, if I can put it like that. You can't change the weather. You can't change people. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could change people? If you could just snap your fingers and that person was nice? Wouldn't that be wonderful? You can't do that. You can't change time. You don't have a choice about time. You have the same 24 hours a day that we all do. But there are things that we do have a choice over. We do have a choice of how much time we're going to spend with God. No, that's a choice that we have. But I can tell you who's going to whisper on our ear not to when we give the devil place. No, we can choose how much time we spend with God. We can choose how good of a relationship with God we're going to have. I choose to have a good relationship with my wife. I want to have a good relationship with my wife. I want that line of communication to be open. I I want that. We can choose how faithful to God's house we're going to be. Uh Uh-oh. That's a choice. You know what? I heard somebody say this. uh, Whatever's first place in your life, you have time for you have time for. And you choose to how faithful you're going to be to this house. And, and really the number one thing that we can choose to do is how much control we let the devil have. And something that you need to understand, he wants in your life. Don't think that you have this halo on that you're too good for the devil. Never Don't expect to be Teflon because on our best day, we are no match for the devil. Ever. We are never any match for the devil. 1 Corinthians 16, 15, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They had a choice. They wanted to be devoted to do the things of God. And don't you think the devil whispered in Paul's ear? Go back to his uh, book to the uh, church of Rome in chapter 7. Didn't Paul say, the good things that I want to do that I don't do? I'm kind of paraphrasing that. But the bad things that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. Paul said he knew that. He understood that. He said, there's no good thing in my flesh. Sure. You know, when something becomes our master, we're devoted to it. Music can become your master. Tobacco can become your master. Alcohol can become your, uh, drugs can become your master. How about this? And this is something I'm seeing more and more in independent fundamental Bible believing Baptist churches among men. Porn 
is addictive. Soft porn. You know, you can tell when you hit something on the head when it gets quiet. Gambling can become your master. This is not going to be very popular among the young, but the youth. Facebook can become your master. Let's move on. Because I could spend some time on that one. But all of these things take away from how much God has control over us. And see, the devil wants us to be so busy that we don't have time for God. No, he wants me to be busy. Paul told the church of Rome, he says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And when we give place to the devil, he drives us in the direction he wants to go. And there are things that he does. He will direct our attention away from serving God and glorifying God to worshiping everything else. <clears throat> First John chapter 5, verse 21, he says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. That's what he says. Amen. At the end of the verse, verse 21. And an idol is anything that you love more, fear more, serve more, or value more than God. What is an idol? Well, preacher, I don't have this little structure in my house that I bow down to. No, we're not talking about that kind of idol. It could be sports is your idol. And when you start taking your kids out of church to play sports, can somebody give me a witness on that? Because what are you teaching your kids? Sports more important than church when you give place to the devil. No, I've seen it. I've experienced it as a youth pastor when parents would take their kids out of church because of a ball game. Well, the coach said he really needs my son. Well, God needs him more and wants him more. And this is what I tell them. Eventually, you're going to teach your kids that church is not as important as everything else. And guess what? When the kid turns 18 and graduates high school, church is something of the past. Because now everything else has taken first place in his life. Why? Because the parents don't have the guts to tell the coach no and to tell the kid, no, you're going to church. I think that's a scourge on our churches. And parents today need to learn and understand that. Your child is your responsibility. You will stand before Almighty God someday on how your kids t- t- turns out. Yeah. You know what? Here's, here's just a list of things that will happen when we give place to the devil. We just get to the point to where we're more apt to listen to him. We are more apt to do the things that he wants us to do. He likes it when I get with my friends that don't encourage me to serve God. Boy, I could clear off a spot right here. Listen, young people, if you've got friends that are your age and they don't encourage you to serve God, you need different friends. You need friends that love God, that want to serve God, and then encourage you to be in church. You know me, and and I've heard this before. I've heard this with people that's addicted to alcohol and cigarettes. Oh, I can give that stuff up tomorrow if I wanted. No, you can't. Because you're in bondage to it. Here's just some other ways that we give in place. Oh, here's, there's just a list of them here. Let me, let me, let me just go through. 
uh, you know, number one, uh, when we've been offended by what the pastor teaches or preaches. Did I just, did I just say that? I tell you, people are so offended about everything today. Your pastor and I was talking today over lunch. I don't remember when it was when I was here. I preached a message entitled uh, Christian Cancel Culture. And it was during, I think it was during when we, you know, when we did our ministry and that. And I just, I just preached that. And I guess some of your young people were, were blessed because of that uh, message. And, and it's, it's just so true that everybody gets offended over everything. God's people get offended about, well, that preacher, somebody must have told him what was going on. I'm sure it's happened in your life when you've gone to different places and, and, and preaches. There's at least two times this has happened to me. I just got up and preached whatever God's wanted me to give. And the pastor got up after uh, I got done preaching and said, folks, I didn't tell him anything. <laughs> and you know you're preaching what God wants you to preach when you preach on a bunch of issues that's going on in the church. Yeah. Well, pastor, he just, he just doesn't, he just, he just, I just get offended by everything that he said. Well, not only it's for the preachers to get offended, you just get offended by everybody else. Well, I'm offended. Well, grow up. Don't be woke. Did a lot of good when they changed Aunt Jemima pa pancake syrup, didn't it? Did a lot of good when they changed a the little Indian lady on butter, didn't it? Really helped everything, didn't it? I don't know about you, but when I opened up, when I cracked that old bottle of Aunt Jemima pancake syrup, I wasn't thinking about any racial uh, aspects of it. I was thinking of how good that pancake was going to be. And now they've ruined it. I'm offended. You know, when our feelings get hurt, it's all about us. And this is what the devil does when he gets in. He makes it about you and not about God when it ought to be all about God. You know what offends God ought to offend us. Send it the other way around. You know, the apostle John said he's, he must increase and I must decrease. When you do that, it's, it, it, it takes away from me and it makes it all about him. I just want to do what he wants me to do. Regardless of what anybody says, you know, the devil will get me to stop reading my Bible. When that happens, all kinds of things happen. When I stop reading my Bible, I quit listening to what God says. And I start listening to what the devil says. And he is good. He whispers in your ear and tells you all kinds of lies. No, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this has happened to me before. I'm just telling you. The devil will get me to stop being faithful to church. Remember I was talking about that, the, the ends to the... The means to the ends, that beginning, that spiral down, it all happens when we give devil place. Get me to stop reading my Bible. Get me to stop fellowshipping with other Christians. Devil will finally end up getting me just to quit church. And then eventually he'll lie to me enough to lose my testimony. How many preachers do you know that can never pastor again? Because they thought that would never happen to them. Listen, you, you need to pray for your pastor because the devil is out to destroy him and his family and you better be on your knees every day and pray for your pastor. Yeah. But here's the good news. <laughs> I don't have to give him place. He's not my friend. He's not your friend. You know anybody that you don't like that you give your ear to? No. You stay away from that person, don't you? 
I can kick him out of my life. James 4 says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know that word uh, resist just means to say no. And you have a choice. No. I'm not going to let you in my life, devil. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I don't have to be in bondage to anything. Why? You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. <laughs> and the next time you're doing something, that Holy Spirit says, whoa, 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 hang on. You better stop and look where you are and look where you're heading and look who your friends are. Yep. Yep. We're in a war. This is a spiritual battle that we're facing every day because the devil hates us every day. Day. And when we fight this spiritual war in the flesh, we're going to lose every time. We have a choice. I love what Paul told the church of Corinth. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's a choice. And he'll help us with that. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bring it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. <laughs> now, some of you are wondering what that was for. I, uh, when I graduated Bible college, I, I was hired at uh, Bethel Baptist Church in Prospect, Connecticut. So, graduated BBC, loaded up my kids in a uh, what I should have done was I should have loaded my fishing gear and stuff in my car and put the kids in the U-Haul, but it was the other, other way around. Drove like 14 hours and got there, and, and what a ministry it was. Man, I, 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 I cut my teeth there. I learned more from that pastor there uh, than I did my whole time at Baptist Bible College. I had 125 teenagers in my youth department, 125. It was like pastoring a church. You know who I had more problems with? The parents. I even had one parent say, you just need to love our kids more. And I looked down and said, I wouldn't even be here if I didn't love your kid. And then you want to just. There was a lady in that that one. There was a lady in our church. Her name was Melody Wilcox. And uh, I was married to Pam. At that time, we only had two kids, Jared and Tia. And so it'd been oh, several weeks we'd uh, been there. And so, you know, Miss Melody came up to me and she said, Brother Hogan, she said, I, I want to invite you and your family over for, for supper one night. She said, you know, what do you like? Well. If somebody's going to ask me, I'm not going to tell them I just want a salad. I said, no, I like steak. She said, what, what kind of steak do you like? Ribeye. Is there any other steak? Some people say they like sirloin. I'm sorry. You're not an American. It's got to be ribeye. And the more fat in it, the better. I said, no, I like ribeye. She said, okay, I want you over such and such a time and day and all that. So we were excited, man. I was excited, you know. So we get the kids ready and we go over to her house. It's a small little bungalow. We knock on the door, and Miss Melody comes in. I mean, as soon as you open the door, you could just smell that just wholesome meat. I'm glad I'm not a vegan. I love meat. And you could just smell it. Baked potato, corn, I don't remember all the other stuff she had. So came in, fellowshiped a little bit, and she goes, well, uh, preacher, she said, you know, everything's ready. So let's just come in. So we go in, and, and she said, uh, uh, you know, preacher, I want you to sit right here. Well, the, the problem was, was where she had me seated was right next to her bedroom door. And inside of her bedroom door were two Doberman pincers that stood about this tall when I'm standing. 
And she said, Preacher, I want you to sit there. I said, there's, there's, there's no way. I am not sitting there. But the thing that I noticed was what she had this cardboard tube that was kind of in the, in the door, just kind of sitting like this. And so the cardboard tube was between me and those uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> and she said, uh, you know, Brother Kent, she said, those dogs are not going to come out of that room. I said, you're, you're out of your mind. I said, as soon as they, you, you put the steak, this dog is coming right over my head, and he's going to devour that steak, and then he's going to eat me. So I'm just not interested in that. And she said, Brother Kent, seriously, she said, put your plate of steak on the floor. I said, no! She goes, seriously. So I take my plate of steak, and I lay it on the floor. And those dogs are going berserk. I mean, they're back and forth. But they're not coming through that door. And I thought, that's why do they have a shock collar on or, or you know something like that if they if they get close do they get zapped with 880 volts or whatever it is and so we finished our meal and the dogs ended up they were fine they stayed in the door and we had dessert and all that stuff and so they didn't have andy's ice cream that what what a shame that that have been even better if they had andy's ice cream anything and so we go back in the you know living room there and we're fellowship and i said i, I gotta know something she said, how are those dogs not coming through that door and eating me up? And she went and got that cardboard tube. She closed, she closed the door, thankfully. She picked the cardboard tube up. And she said, see this little cardboard tube? And it's kind of ratty looking. And I said, yeah. She said, you hear this? I said, yeah. She said, I got those, both of those Doberman pinchers when they were just puppies. And she said, every time they would do something wrong, I'd hit them in the head with that. And as they grew older... I didn't have to hit them anymore. I just picked the thing up. And after a while, I just let them look at it and then scurry off into the room. I mean, Jurassic Park dogs and a little cardboard tube was scaring those dogs to death. And I thought, what a message. Because God says, you know what? You can do something. The devil goes, no, you can't. No, you can't. God has tried to call some young men to be missionaries or preachers, and the devil goes, no, you can't. Because he's beat them, he's beat you into submission. Then he doesn't even have to do this anymore. He can just show you this. This represents everything you've done in your past. And the devil says, you can't serve God because of all of these things that you have done. Can I tell you this? The devil will treat you like a dog. God or treat you like a son Amen. and a daughter. Here's a message. When God tells you to do something, you can do it. Just don't let the devil tell you you can't. Because if God has called you young people to something, he's serious about it. You know why God called me to be a missionary when I was 62? Because nobody else is surrendering. Hello? God still needs missionaries. God still needs preachers. God still needs pastor's wives and preacher's wives and youth directors and youth director's wives. No, God still needs those things. But when you look back at your life, yeah. I can't tell you all the stuff that I did, but I was glad the day God called me. But you know when God called me, you know what I said? I can't do that. I got too much baggage in my closet. I have too many bones buried. That's what the devil was telling me. But you know, when I surrendered and I said, okay, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do, the devil, and God said, devil, take a hike. Then I said, take a hike. And then I realized that God can use me. And that's amazing. 
If God can use me, he can use anybody in this room. He might be calling you to do something tonight. He might be calling you to do something last week or last month or last year. And God said, this is what I want you to do. And you've said, the devil said, you can't do that. You're not qualified. So tonight, here's the message. Just kick out the tube. Just let him lead you and guide you. Don't give place to the devil. Let's all stand. Father, we thank